It's a Winans Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. And on today's show, we are going to discuss the Florida Panthers' first game of their four-game road trip where they drop a 3-1 to decision against the Arizona Coyotes. We'll discuss that next here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this Wednesday, November 2nd edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Rwanda Velez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On NHL, Locked On Fantasy Hockey, and the newest show on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NHL Prospects. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, if you decided not to stay up for this game, I will say you probably made the right choice <laughs> because, man, if if I if there is one game, if you happen to not stay up for this game, if there is one game that was very similar to the games we have seen in the first nine prior to this one. It was really the the game against the Philadelphia Flyers that this game versus the Arizona Coyotes was very reminiscent of. The Panthers got so many chances, doubling the amount of shots, even though the tempo of the game was very slow to start the game. But special teams continues to be the story. Now for the seventh straight game, the Florida Panthers have given up at least one power play goal to their opposition. And this is the perfect time to bring in my guest on the show. It's a Winans Wednesday edition of the show and a pretty frustrated Jacob Winans coming in as we were talking about pre-recording. So, Jacob, welcome back to the show on what is a not-so-good result for the Florida Panthers on their first game of their four-game road trip. I appreciate you having me. Um, this is becoming a kind of annoying trend for us because last year, almost all of our shows were after big wins. We had a couple of nice comebacks that we got to discuss. And now we're on two in a row uh, where where it was just a really, really um, just kind of pathetic result that we're, that we're uh, recording after. So, yeah, not, not the best. I was having a pretty good day until I t- uh, turned on that game. I was thinking, you know, maybe quick two points will cap off my my solid my solid day today and then they just completely buzz killed it so that's where we're at <laughs> yeah for me uh th- these late night games are a little different when it comes to the day job as far as like switching from morning shift to night shift and then coming home like around an hour or 45 minutes right before puck drop so it's a little bit of a difference of a schedule so it like throws so many things out of whack and of course for the team itself the hockey team that we're talking about it they're uh their schedules and their body clocks are a little bit out of whack. Of course, the start of 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 a four game road trip. Of course, of course, there are no easy games in the NHL, and 
this uh, this Arizona Coyotes team, of course, we know what the mission is for them. Tanking for Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick, trying to create so much cap space so that when they do get their new arena, they could try to lure a someone like an Austin Matthews as well when he does hit free agency, even though I still believe he's going to hit um, stay in Toronto and sign long-term there. But still, that that's the mission that Arizona is trying to do while Florida is trying to contend. Of course, all the trades that we've spoken about in the last uh, just two seasons, three even for 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 this Cats team, and just to and even even going back to last year's uh, game against Arizona Coyotes, which was a three to one win for for the Panthers, just. that 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 was that game last year was a lot not a lot of activity for the Panthers but a a game that you clearly saw the Florida Panthers were just so much better than and of course generating an early lead in last year's game but in in this one of course the, the 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 score doesn't do it justice which is the worst part about all of this is dominating five on five doubling the amount of shots even though faceoffs aren't the end all be all for this team, winning in the circle forty seven to forty three uh, percent uh, as far as that, for fifty one shot attempts of to their twenty eight five on five. But what's the story in this, Jacob? Special teams, special teams, special teams. the The Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NHL. Lot, lot, before the numbers updated, I saw that they were twenty ninth on the power play. Uh, around like 7% prior to tonight's game. Their penalty kill was off to a decent start, but now they're now they have given up at least a power play goal to their opposition for the seventh straight game. And this is the if there's a person if there's a finger pointing to to put on one person, I I haven't done this much this season, but it's the coach Paul Maurice in, in this situation as far as uh special teams categories. How about you? It's unfortunate, but I have to agree with you on that. And it, it feels a little bit like we're back in the Bob Bugner years, uh, which is really unfortunate to say at this stage because Bob Bugner teams, we would outshoot everybody. Uh, the quality of shots is not great necessarily, but we, these Panther teams under Bob Bugner outshot everyone. And it, ob- it, it too often did not translate on the scoreboard because the, the shot quality wasn't there. And the difference with that with those teams was they were overly reliant on the power play um, did not have the kind of five-on-five five, uh, talent or five-on-five or, or, uh, five success. So they were overly reliant on the power play, and they did outshoot everyone. But this this is similar in a lot of ways because the Panthers are outshooting every team they play against. It's never really close. They're outshooting everyone, but when it comes when it comes time to finish, missing the net, shots wide. We saw three hit the post today, which is a little bit of bad luck, but at the end of the day, it, it's still it's still a shot that, you got to put that on the net. The, the post is not part of the net, and and they're they're missing they're missing key chances to finish. Uh, we saw a breakaway from Patrick Hornquist, doesn't score. Uh, Rudy Balsers hits the post on a wide open net. Um, Matthew Kachuk made a great move, uh, rang it off the crossbar. Anton Lundell hit the crossbar. Uh, Gustav Forsling had at least three chances, uh, wide open, right down the middle, where he could have one either stepped in and gotten a little closer but he takes a slap shot and misses the net. It's a lot of missing the net. And then when you, when you have those issues five on five, where you're dominating play, but you're not finishing, then your, your special teams have to come up big. And right now the Panthers are playing a style of hockey where the, every game they're spotting a team, one goal. 
And if you can count in a, a one goal deficit in every game because you, their power play is going to score and yours is not, you're playing from a hole every game. It, it's as if you're starting the game down one zero, and that you cannot win that way. Um, so it's pretty remarkable they even have a five a, a five uh, four and one record at this point because it could be worse the way their their special teams has played. Uh, this is a, a league driven on special teams at this point. The power play is a huge part of the game, and and they they've simply just been absolutely horrendous since the season started. And we've seen we've seen Paul Maurice and his coaching staff try to change some personnel. It hasn't worked. And and it's it's at a point now where it, it, if the personnel changes aren't aren't getting it done for you, you have to change the the philosophy. You have to change the actual scheme. You can't just keep subbing bodies in and playing the same style. You have to change something stylistically because right now this is, they're running into a brick wall and they keep doing it. Do you remember the question I asked? This was this was back in May when I asked this question. Do you remember the question I asked after the Washington series when they went 0 for 18 on the power play but still won the series? Do you remember the question I asked? What was the question? I asked, are power plays overrated? And all three of us said no to that, mm -hmm. to, to, to that question. And of course it cost them in the Tampa series. And now we're seeing it really early on in this, in this, uh, in this season with, with, with the, with the power play. And, and let's, let's go to the penalty kill. Uh, of course the, the, the Panthers trying, of course, trying to check the puck, trying to get it out of their own zone, but too often too many times is they're unable to reset and both goals by the, by the Arizona Coyotes. It, I, I mean, and Lawson Krause getting the first one and almost had a second one before Spencer, before Spencer Knight had a incredible save on a backhand. And then just a few seconds later, they, uh, the Arizona Coyotes get a second one. But what, what's, what, what's going on with the penalty kill is that they're not getting in a position to block shots neither. And so many open shooting lanes for, for the, for the Arizona Coyotes. And it's, it's not, it, it's, it's giving Spencer Knight a, a clear bit, um, a clear sight to the person shooting the puck and, and not giving, and not giving a chance for a deflection. And, and that is, and that, and I think that's the issue as far as the penalty kill. Yeah. Too, too often we've seen guys on the penalty kill, especially the forwards over committing, chasing a puck carrier. And when they don't get it, they're so late getting back into position. And it's kind of a similar thing with the power play guys are making lazy passes. They're not able to enter the zone. And then everyone is, is dropping back and resetting and then coming into the zone slowly as a group. You cannot enter the zone that way on the power play and on the penalty kill. If you don't get that puck carrier, you need to be back in position almost immediately. You have to, you have to hustle back to your spot and reset. And we, we're just not seeing it. Guys are getting out of position and then they're, they're scrambling and no one's getting in. No one's making a key block. It's, it's really it's really a mess it's it's tough to watch that penalty kill right now because it, it it's it honestly starts at the draw we're losing too many defensive zone draws on in the on the penalty kill power plays are getting set up right away instead of having to retrieve the puck and 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 off of a lost face off so the panthers are losing the draw they're chasing puck carriers they're not getting to the puck carriers then they're taking too long to reset and that's how you end up getting beaten by guys like Lawson Krause and Nick Ritchie and if you're getting beat by guys like the Austin Krause and Nick Ritchie, you don't stand a chance against guys like Austin Matthews, Steven Stamkos, and the, the superstars that they have to contend with in this division. So it's we're, we're definitely on high alert now, especially as special teams are concerned, because it, this schedule, I mean, 
losses to Philly, Chicago, and Arizona, it's not going to get, it literally can't get any easier unless you're playing in the AHL. I mean, this is, those are the teams that you have to capitalize against and they're not doing it. And it's going to get real nasty really fast in the Atlantic division if they don't sort this out, because there are some absolutely lethal special teams units in the, in the Panthers division that they're going to have to figure out. And, and right now I'm not seeing a whole lot of signs of that happening. Yeah. And, and for the Panthers, it's just, it's funny because we think, when we see all the numbers that favor them and even the analytical numbers that favor them, you, you want to think that they that this is going to, that, the, that eventually the pucks are going to go through the net, but how many times, how many times are we going to keep saying that before be, be as, as the losses, as the losses pile up. And that's the frustrating thing about this, because I, I, I don't know. I was saying that a week ago that the, the, the goals are going to come, the goals are going to come, the goals are going to come. And then, like credit to Carol Vomelka uh, for like credit to him for for the performance. But we can't keep saying that that eventually these these goals are going to get it go in. Maybe they will. Maybe maybe a week from now we'll look dumb by by say by me saying this statement right now, and I'll be very happy to look dumb by by saying what I'm saying right now. But it's just how how many times can we say it? I agree. And, and like you said, credit to credit to veggie over there for Arizona had a great game, but if we're being realistic, then it, it's when you have to say credit to veggie, Oh, credit to Carter Hart, credit to Alex Daylock. We've been getting goalies. It's not, it's not like goalies just all of a sudden turn into Superman. The second they play the Panthers, it's something that the Panthers are doing that are allowing these goalies to have good games. It's not getting traffic in front of the net. It's shooting everything from the outside, not enough slot opportunities. It's a lazy power play. Uh, the power play right now, it feels like we don't have a distributor. Of course, we knew that was going to be somewhat of an issue, losing Huberdeau. Um, Matthew Kachuk, as great as he is, is more of a net front player, not so much the, the creative passer on the wing. So it's something that they're, that they're going to have to alter the, the power play uh, philosophy on, which hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's it's a lot of things that that these goalies are making incredible saves and making timely saves, but the Panthers are also doing a ton of making them look good because you're, they're missing so many golden opportunities. And right now we're 10 games in and we've got two combined goals from Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhart, and Sam Bennett, two combined goals on the year. You simply cannot win that way. It's not possible. There's, there's, there's going to have to be some amount of, of leadership stepping up and, and not necessarily putting the team on their back and carrying the team, but at least pulling their own weight. And the Panthers, the Panthers' best, highest paid and, and most talented players are just not doing it. Because right now, for being realistic, without E2 Luftrein and Colin White and Matthew Kachuk, I have no idea what this team's record would be. It, we might already be re, like resigned to the fact that we are not making the playoffs, if not for those three guys as forwards. It, they, they've quite literally carried the offense. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's a scary place to be right now if you're counting on Listeron and Colin White and, and, and Matthew Kachuk as your only three uh, consistent scoring options. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll discuss more of the of the of of those three along with the fourth line for for the Panthers, who actually was was a line that, in my opinion, really stood out for for the Panthers in, in this game for as far as generating the most amount of chances. But first, we're gonna tell you all about Built Bar, and and in this one, 
Can, can we pause this pause for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you gotta try this. When we're talking about Bilt Bar's new reimagined flavor, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate uh, per peppermint granola, it's Bilt's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and it's insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff. Bilt puffs are like biting into the universe most delicious club. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly, low sugar and calories, 130 calories. Just sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you try these new Built flavors and the magical, wonderful time afterwards. You're probably wondering which new flavors are my favorite? An unanswerable question to say at the least. They are all unbelievable and they're all different. So you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. Bill, you gotta try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at built. Com. Second segment on this Winans Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Armando Velez, I got Jacob Winans here on the usual Winans Wednesday. And Jacob, it's crazy because uh, the tempo for this for this uh, game, for the first period, there wasn't too much tempo. But the of course, Ryan Lomberg, the Energizer Bunny, was really the guy that to, that really was very active for the Panthers at first. Patrick Hornquist getting a a breakaway on his own, blocking a shot in his own zone, and then taking it by himself. And then later in the game, having a three on one opportunity where he almost scored. And I I believe he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the guy who also got an opportunity shorthanded for this team as well. So, and of course, Eric Stahl. Of course, big resume. We know he's not the same player as as he was when he first broke out into the leagues. A second overall pick, Stanley Cup champion, former captain. But the eye test told me that this was probably one the best line of of, of the of the game, even though they didn't get on, on the score sheet. Uh, but man, it, we saw Barkoff get. Uh, we, we saw Barkoff the last three games, five shots on goal, five shots on goal, six shots on goal, the most, uh, the last three games. But in this one, getting two. Carter Hagee getting two. Matthew Kachuk got, got a lot of, a, a great opportunity at the end uh, where off a rebound, Sam Reinhardt just tips it to Matthew Kachuk and just nearly gets it in to tie the game. But man, it, it, it's going back to what the first six games was for, for this team. And, if your fourth line is playing is the best line in the, in the game, you're not going to win much in this league. Agreed. Um, the first period in particular, Ryan Lomberg was by far the best, the best player uh, through the first probably 13 to 15 minutes of the, of the hockey game. He, and to say he was the best player, it, it's almost doing him a, dis, a disservice because it wasn't the situation where he was, just the best player. He was by far the best player. The only one who, who had his legs going, who was playing with any kind of hustle or effort. That is not, that's just not what you're looking for, especially against a team like Arizona, where you expect to come out, you expect to jump on them early. 
expect to dominate that game and, and, and not necessarily coast, but you want to be in a comfortable position playing against Arizona because the talent level, the, the Panthers, even with all their injuries right now, even with the, the key players out like Ekblad and Duclair, the, the talent level is drastically different between the Panthers and the Coyotes. And I don't think anyone can argue that. So the fact that Ryan Lomberg was the only one who came out and took it seriously as an NHL game uh, in that first period was, was really concerning to see, uh, to be honest. Now, the, the fourth line was, was solid. Uh, Lomberg was good. Uh, almost scored a highlight reel baseball style goal. That's probably would have been uh, one of the goals of the year if that had just been a couple inches below the crossbar. Uh, Patrick Cornquist was was really good. Got a couple of chances. Uh, didn't finish them, but Patrick Cornquist is not a guy I expect to finish a whole lot of breakaways. So uh, I can't fault him too much for that. And then Eric Stahl, um, solid again. I still would prefer Nick Cousins on that line. I love Eric Stahl's resume and his leadership qualities. Um, no discredit to him, but just at his current age and 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 just his his skill set at this time, I feel like he's more of a a replacement level player like Joe Thornton last year, a guy you can sub in, uh, not on an every night basis. So I would prefer Nick Cousins on that fourth line right now, but uh, that's not to say Eric Stahl has done anything to lose the job. It's just that Nick Cousins is the guy I think is better equipped for it right now. That fourth line, they, they've, they've consistently brought the hustle and the effort and the rest of the lines just really haven't. Um, it, one of the biggest problems I think we're seeing with these with these lines right now is the fact that Last year, what, what made the Panthers so dangerous was the fact that they could rely on Barkov to carry his line, and they were able to rely on Jonathan Huberdeau to carry his line. They are able to split those guys up. Right now, we've got Barkov and Kachuk together on the top line, and the depth is just not there. The, the second line was Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart. You would expect Reinhart to be a guy who could pick up the slack. He's not doing it. And Rudy Balthers, as, as solid as he's been, he's not a line driver. Sam Bennett is not a line driver. Uh, and and we're we're in a really tough position uh, as far as that's concerned. So it's unless unless you're able to split up Barkov and Kachuk and create some balance and some depth, I don't know that this is sustainable. What they're doing offensively with these lines, I don't know that it's ever going to generate enough offense the way it's currently set up. And I don't think we can afford to to wait around until Anthony Duclair is back because by then it could be too late. So something's going to have to be adjusted with these lines. And honestly, it's unfortunate because the third line of Listerine and Lundell and Colin White has been so, so good, especially defensively. You really might have no choice but to split them up at this point. Uh, and, and not because they're doing anything wrong, but because the other lines clearly need help. Um, the second line needs help. Sam Bennett is clearly struggling. Uh, he, he's not creating any offense, really. He's having a tough time uh, trying to carry that line. Sam Reinhardt has created just about nothing, five on five. Uh, his, his chances are coming on the power play, and he's not exactly finishing them. Um, it's There's a lot of question marks with this forward group right now, uh, which is a really weird thing for us to be saying because everyone's question marks are on the defense. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling have stepped up beyond anyone's expectations. Josh Mahura has been a, a diamond in the rough. Radko Gudis has been solid. And we've gotten solid play from, from Kierstead and now Lucas Carlson. So the defense has held their own. It's the offense. They're, they're not stepping up. The depth is not there. The, the scoring from the bottom, the bottom three lines right now is, it's just not there. So I, I don't, 
I don't know exactly what the what the lines are going to look like against San Jose, but again, it's a situation where all eyes are on Paul Maurice because if you continue to to roll out the same group as it's currently constructed and expect a different result, I think that's that's coaching malpractice, to be honest with you. Uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's the, that's the, that's the definition of ex- insanity and putting Kachuk on that top line hurts, a hurts player, a player, especially like Rudolph Balsers who had such a great start and almost had a goal before, while well, before hitting uh, the post. And like you spoke about Colin white and not wanting to split up that line. And honestly, if I'm the coach, I'd be reluctant to split up that line too. I mean, Colin white got a goal in this one, deflecting a shot off of Josh Mahura, Josh Mahura, once again, generating offense for the Panthers as well. What, what a fine for Bill Zito. So there's a little bit of positives to come out of this game. Hard to find, hard to find a few positives after a loss like this, but you got, you got to wonder if Colin white should go to Barkov's wing uh, that's that's something I've kind of a little thought about early in the season, and then I said, okay, let me hold off for for just a little bit uh, because this is a line that's putting that's playing well. But what about Sam Reinhart back on that third line with Anton Lindell? There, there's a bit of familiarity that we saw all of last season, and look what happened. He was over a point per game player uh, in the last sixty plus games of the season last year. I know Mason Marchment isn't here anymore, but why not give that a shot? Yeah, so the, right now it's gonna it, it's it's time for some some hard honesty here, and th- some of this stuff is tough to say, but it, it's the truth. Matthew Kachuk was put on that top line to help get Barkov going because Correct. Barkov was not was not carrying his weight. Correct. Barkov was not producing on that line. He wasn't driving the play, so they put Kachuk up there to boost Barkov. Barkov is a $10 million a year player. He's the team captain. And he was in the, in, uh, if not for a, uh, an injury in, in last year's season, he would have been top five in the MVP voting. You do not need to put someone on the wing of an MVP caliber player. That, that player is expected to carry that line. And Barkov is going to have to find it in himself to carry that line. No matter who's on his wings. He's going to have to carry that line. We've seen guys like Sidney Crosby carry lines of Connor Sherry and Dominic Simone and, and, and be over a point per game. I mean, now I'm not saying Barkov needs to be prime Sidney Crosby, but he has to be a, a, a number one center who can carry a line. Any team, any team that has a number one center and is a contender, they don't have to worry so much about that line producing no matter who's on the wings. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. So with Barkov and Verhage, uh, kind of the mainstays on that line, I think you can go with a Colin White on the right wing. You can go. You should be able to go with anyone on the other wing, but it shouldn't have to be Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk should be able to, to go to that second line and help that line. Uh, Matthew Kachuk should not have to be used as a player who, who goes to, to get the captain going. So that's number one. And number two is Sam Reinhardt. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what, what the issue is with Reinhardt's game this year, but it, he, he's just not generating anything. Uh, and and I think the problem, what what I'm what I'm seeing at least is that last year with when he was on that Lundell Marchment line, he got to beat up on a lot of middle six lines. Uh, he mm-hmm. wasn't matched up against the top line, the best defensive the best defensive pairs last year. He got to beat up on a lot of second lines. He got to beat up on a lot of third lines. And if we're being really brutally honest about it, 
Mason Marshman was the one who was forechecking, retrieving pucks, taking a lot of those hits to open things up for Anton Lindell and Sam Reinhardt. Mason Marshman Marshman's presence is sorely missed right now, and it is showing all over Reinhardt's game. But at the end of the day, Reinhardt was productive in Buffalo without Mason Marshman. He's going to have to find it somewhere in his game here in Florida to be productive without Mason Marchman because Mason Marchman's not walking back through that door. So these these answers are going to have to come from in-house because they can't come from outside. And and it, it really it really falls at the feet of Barkov and Reinhardt. Barkov's going to have to carry that top line. He shouldn't need Kachuk to help him do it. And Sam Reinhardt is going to have to find a way to produce um, and, and, and really uh, play to, to his potential because you're there's there's no Mason Marchman on this team and you can't rely on another guy to to get all of your opportunities for you so that's really for me that's that's what I'm seeing with these lines there's going to have to be some level of balance established here because right now it's it's just not working and the worst part is that we know that uh Sam Reinhart is more than capable of generating uh goals because when prior to the trade from Buffalo to Florida his best his best hockey came when Jack Eichel got injured in Buffalo and when he was shifted to center. And that's when he, that's when he really elevated his game even more to, to, for the Panthers to say, huh, we, we saw how he was able to do without the, the captain of the Sabres at the time. And it's just, I, I, I believe that when, when Sam Reinhardt does get it going, it, it's going to be like a big streak coming for him. But, Hopefully it's sooner uh, rather than later, my friend. So that's what I'm hoping. And maybe we will see a different uh, different set of lines uh, for Thursday's game against the San Jose Sharks, which the Florida Panthers will be traveling overnight on a red eye to San Jose. And they will be having a 3 p.m. practice on Wednesday uh, afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern practice at the SAP Center over in San Jose. But we're going to transition over to the third and final segment where we're going to talk more about updates for the Panthers and scores across the league. We're going to discuss that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this Wine and Wednesday edition of the show. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to Game to Game NHL. It's daily recaps of all the games going around the National Hockey League. It'll be on the Locked On NHL page on the NHL page. So make sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL where you'll be listening to Locked On Game to Game after every night, Monday through Friday. So, Jacob, good news for the Panthers, even prior to this game, is that Aaron Ekblad did travel with the team and was wearing a yellow non-contact jersey uh, for the Panthers. So he's looked like he's going to be on track to return once the Florida Panthers uh, return home. And earliest that he's able to come back is that November 12th game against the Edmonton Oilers, as he is required to miss 10 days, excuse me, excuse me, 10 games and... 24 days as far as being on LTIR, but for the, for the scores across the league. So just looking at the scores prior to recording the Panthers next opponent, uh, the San Jose sharks, Eric Carlson has a hat trick tonight against the Anaheim ducks, nine goals on the season. I haven't checked the most recent updates on that game. Uh, last time I checked, it was going to overtime, but 14 points in 12 games for a former two time Norris trophy winner. And 
turning back the clock from his days in Ottawa when he carried that 2017 Ottawa Senators team who probably had no business being in the Eastern Conference final and just turning that back the clock. And let's not forget that he has a, a, a rod in his leg uh, as, as well from the surgeries that he's had. So Eric Carlson just tearing, tearing it up on a, on a San Jose Sharks team. That's uh that's rebuilding other scores across the league is, one game that I did not get to watch that I missed one hell of a game, a, a, a very low-scoring game, a one nothing New York Rangers win against the Philadelphia Flyers where the Rangers generate 36 shots to Philly's 19. So Carter Hart was standing on his head. I, I, uh, let me see if Igor Shosturkin was in net for the Rangers. Yep, it was Shosturkin versus uh, Carter Hart in, in that one. Uh, Vegas wins again. Uh, this one, this time against Washington, Minnesota wins. Uh, Boston completes a comeback against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The New York Islanders defeat the Chicago Blackhawks. Dallas beats LA. Edmonton beats Nashville seven four. Seattle gets a win over Calgary, and the, the New Jersey Devils, after a rough start to their season, defeat the Vancouver Canucks. And man, that that New Jersey Devils team looks is might finally have arrived as far as a team that has had some expectations to finally make the playoffs and they, they continue to win again. And uh, the final score of that uh, Ducks sharks game that I was talking about earlier in this segment, uh, the ducks did win that in a shootout. Frank Vitrano, uh did get a goal in that one as well, but man, the, the Panthers next opponent, the San Jose sharks, like I said at the top, Eric Carlson, just, the bright spot really for the, for the San Jose Sharks team. And it's not going to be an easy one come Thursday night. Yeah. The Sharks are a team that has a lot more talent than their record indicates. Uh, they're definitely top heavy. The bottom of their lineup is in a, is definitely in a rebuild, but they do have some guys uh, who can hurt you. You got guys like Logan Couture, you have Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle. Those are, those are really good players. Um, defensively, Eric Carlson, I'm honestly, I'm very happy for him seeing him uh, kind of revitalize his career. A guy who's dealt with a ton of injuries. Uh, he's carried a, a just played a ridiculous amount of minutes uh, in his career as, as a top defenseman. Uh, going back to his days in Ottawa, a lot of expectation when he signed in San Jose. So uh, I'm I'm happy for him finally getting getting his career back to, to that elite status. Um, it's good to see him doing that. I hope he stays healthy. Um, but for the Panthers against against San Jose, that is definitely not going to be an easy game. And I think we're definitely past the point now where we can consider any game an easy game. Mm -hmm. I think you look at teams like Chicago, uh, Philly, and Arizona. I mean, if you don't consider, if you consider those easy games, it doesn't get easier. So those are the easiest ones you're going to have. So San Jose is definitely not going to be an easy game and goaltending against the Sharks for whatever reason, seems like the Sharks goaltenders always give us a hard time, uh, it, it, especially when it's James Reimer in net. Uh, he, he seems to somehow pull off some incredible games against the Panthers, and I don't know what that is because I wish we had a little more of that when he was in the Panthers uniform. Um, and that's not that's not at all disrespect to James Reimer. It's, just, it's more credit to how he's played since he got to San Jose. Um, so it's, uh, that, that should be a good one, another late one, and hopefully the Panthers have their legs under them. Um, we're we've heard reports of Ekblad skating again. So we're, we're kind of in that mode where just stay afloat, um, scrape out a couple wins, 
get your franchise defenseman back and hopefully get this power play going, get our, our penalty kill back on track with your number one defenseman um, back there uh, anchoring both, both of those units. Um, you know, if we can survive this road trip, do well, maybe, honestly, I, I really see no reason why the Panthers can't win all three of the remaining games on this road trip. They should be favored in all three of them. Uh, I, I think I think that should be the expectation. They shouldn't sell themselves short on anything like uh, on, on that at all. They should definitely uh, have that expectation for themselves. And uh, it's going to be a real tough road when they get back home because the, the homestand coming up is kind of a gauntlet. Uh, teams like Carolina coming in, Washington's coming in, Edmonton's coming in, uh, Dallas is coming in, and Calgary's coming in. So a lot of familiar faces will be back in the building, uh, as well as last year's playoff opponent and the best player in the world. So it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough stretch. Uh, they're going to need to 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 pile up some of these points in the bank right now while they can, because those are not going to be easy games. And uh, yeah, if we can get the forwards going, get the special teams going, uh, hopefully get Reinhardt and Barkov a couple more pucks in the net. I feel pretty good about where they're going once once healthy. Um, let me ask you a question as far as Ekblad's uh, impending return. Paul Maurice has been really, he, he seems to really like Mark Stahl, but Josh Mahura is playing out of his mind right now. When, when Ekblad gets back, what do you think the, the defense, the defense pairs are going to look like for you? Uh, do you think, uh, who, who do you think fits where? Do you think Forsling and Montour stay together? Do you think Mahura gets second unit or second pair minutes? Do you think, a goodest stall pair. I mean, what do you what do you think the defense looks like when Ekblad's back in there? I don't think you could split up Mahura Gudis right now. You you can't I don't think you can. Uh I think that's just been one one line that's been clicking. And Rako Gudis was asked about mentorship for uh Josh Mahura. I think he was asked uh, about it uh, prior prior to today's game and and really taking uh, taking him under his wing as far as somebody who's who who's in a different situation, but we could easily see, I think we could easily see uh, Ekblad Montour um, po- possibly Montour does have that dual flexibility of playing on both sides as well, which is a, a, a luxury for someone like Brandon Montour and Brandon Montour has just been outstanding in this season, but it wouldn't be surprising as well to see, to see, to see Forsling Ekblad back. Uh, I mean, it's such a small sample size for, for this for Ekblad and Forsling. So we still don't know what we got as far as that pair. Uh, I mean, as far as Ekblad's Corsi four in the first few games, it's like 39% for Ekblad, but I've, it's still, you, you can't judge on that much of a sample size for, for Eki. So it, I still want to give Ekblad Forsling a little bit of a chance before, before we, before Palmeries really shuffles things. But I know that for sure, Gudis and Mahura is like not something that I would like to split up. Mark Stahl, of course, he has his issues, but there were there there was a there was actually a stretch of of the game actually today where Mark Stahl had multiple blocked passes uh, right in front of Spencer Knight in this one. So I was actually impressed by by a few of the stretches that Mark Stahl had on Tuesday night's game. So there's been a there it, it hasn't been all bad for for Mark Stahl. I'll, I'll say that. So that that that's kind of but we know there's going to be stretches. That's the thing for him. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, like you said, with Mark Stahl, it's, it's not like he's a consistently bad player. He, he's, I would say he's consistently solid, except for, it seems like at least once a game, 
he'll get burned or he'll get walked or have a, a breakdown that gives up a scoring chance. It's like a once a game occurrence. So it's, I think he gets a lot of, a lot of bad reputation because that, that once a game breakaway or something that he gives up, it looks bad. He did give one up against the coyotes. He, he got turned around and, and uh, gave up a really, really solid scoring chance, but I don't, I, I don't think he's been as bad as everyone is, is making it sound like. I think he's, He's been mostly solid. It's just the the moments where he's not usually end up being grade A scoring chances, which is kind of unfortunate for him. But I, I, I this is not a place I thought we'd be right now where I'm a lot more confident in our defense than our offense. And it, it seems like we're we're just trying to tread water until Declare gets back and can balance out that top six, which is I don't know. I, I really don't know how much how much um pressure we want to put on the guy coming off of a torn Achilles to, mm. to come in and, and play Lots savior to the top six. That's a big ask of a guy who's, who's going to be working through a lot of physical, um, a lot of physical setbacks to, to get back out there and contribute. So, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not last year. <laughs> last oh, that's... year we, yeah, we, we didn't have a, a care in the world right now last year. So it's, um, this is definitely new territory for us. We're, we're trying to, yeah, there's a lot to figure out and not a whole lot of answers. We're, we're just trying to see if, if they can uh, kind of grind some wins out here. It's it's definitely definitely a change of pace for what we're, what we're used to the last couple of seasons. We've gotten spoiled. Definitely. We have. We, <laughs> you, you took the words out of my mouth about uh, being spoiled for for this team. And there and there, there's going to be a lot of questions on who to send down when uh, Ekblad comes back and I've already done some of the math for, for the Panthers and signing uh, Eric Stahl makes it a little bit more difficult. And uh, I think the obvious one to send down is Matt Kirstead because he's waivers exempt. And then when you, with Nick Cousins not playing much, his salary just gets slightly under 85.5. Remember 85 point list. Remember the list, listeners, 85.5 is the number for now because of a- Anthony Duclair's LTIR status. So you got to at least get eight under 85.5 as of now, if you're the Panthers, so Nick Cousins, if he were, if you were to find a way to get 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 him off the books, uh, whether it's through waivers, uh, that just gets it under 85.5 for the Panthers. So a little, uh, the the signing makes it a little bit more more difficult. But but Paul Maurice has shown as of right now that he's able to that he he trusts Eric Stahl more than than Nick Cousins but of course there's familiarity with Eric Stahl that's not the first time that Paul Maurice has coached him so uh, I think he's going to favor him pretty much by default but so we'll, we'll see as the coming weeks come as far as 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 that as that so as as far as Thursday's game uh it'll be a 10:30 p.m. uh puck drop uh another late night for for us for at least the next few games uh uh, ESPN plus exclusive game. Uh, the game will be uh, called by uh, play by play by Leah Hextall with analyst Casey Campbell Pascal as far as uh, that uh, broadcast. And we will have a recap of that game with Nick Fairbanks on a Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. But prior to that, tomorrow on Locked On Panthers, we are going to try to bring in the host of Locked On San Jose Sharks, JD Young, who is actually from the south southeast u.s area before uh, moving over to san jose so he is familiar with pub subs so so we're gonna have a little bit of a conversation on that on uh thursday's show and he is also a fan of another south florida sports team the football team here and we might talk a little bit about 
the big trade that happened for the Miami Dolphins on that happened on Tuesday. So make sure to check that that episode out on 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 Thursday. So Jacob, I know it wasn't e- an easy one to talk about tonight as far as the as the Panthers three to one loss. It's two oh eight a.m. on a Wednesday morning after a late one, but. Thank you once again for joining uh, another edition of Wine and Wednesday here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. But tell everybody where they can find you online. Definitely. You can find me online at Jacob Wine and 8 on Twitter. I'm usually pretty active there. A little bit more active after losses than wins, as you'll see. But um, <laughs> that's all right. We're It's it's still early. We'll, we'll get this thing figured out. Absolutely, man. And thank you once again. And... Next week's Wine and Wednesday, we will we won't be staying up this late, so that that's a that's a that's a benefit for next week. So thank you so much once again for for not only doing the show but staying up with me. Uh, so I will see you next week. Thank you once again, my friend. That sounds good. Thanks for having me. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Lockdown. NHL and Locked On Fantasy Hockey will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Today. Locked On Today gives you a 20-minute podcast on all things surrounding the world of sports, including the take of the day. Locked On Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. So I'm Armando Velez with Jacob Winans, and you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.